Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. You know, folks, the reality is is that we do live in uncertain times, don't we? I mean, in fact, it seems like there's something always going on if you watch the news. And it just makes you feel insecure. So the latest thing now is this ISIS thing that's going on in the Middle East and, you know, possible terrorist attacks that are happening here in North America. We've seen that this week in the news. Or the Ebola thing. Okay, the reality of the Ebola virus and what's that going to be like. And those things cause us to be unnerved, do they not? The economy seems to be doing better. Gas is going down, but we wonder how much longer is that going to be. And then as you always go towards the end of the year, you're wondering if you're going to have a job because for some reason, around Christmas time, that's when people get what? Laid off. And we live in uncertain times, and so we, we really struggle with how do we, how do we respond to that? How do we, how do we live out our faith in that? What's our reaction supposed to be about that? And especially in our country today, there's so much that's going on culturally, and there's such a shift that's taking place. For you as a Christian, you gotta be wondering, how do I respond to all this? People don't necessarily like me because I'm a Christian anymore. Or they don't like what I believe. How do I respond to that? And then you hear stuff all the time about when Jesus is coming back. And he must be coming back soon. What's the truth of that? What's the response to that? How do we respond? Well, it's because of the uncertainty that we live in and and not knowing how to respond to that that I decided that through prayer that maybe we needed to go through 1 Thessalonians. Go through the epistle to the Thessalonians because the reality is is that's what they were struggling with. Actually, First Thessalonians is one of the first letters that Paul wrote that we have in the New Testament. So this is very early in Paul's ministry, and he's writing Christians who are struggling with their faith. They're struggling with knowing how to live their faith. They're struggling with even realizing and understanding what, what the reality of the second coming is. And he's going to talk to them about faith in times of uncertainty. And that's what we're going to look at. Faith in times of uncertainty. So today we're going to look at a whole chapter. We're going to look at chapter 1, which is just 10 verses long. And we're going to reflect upon where do we need to start. If we're going to have this discussion about how do I respond, how do I live in these times of uncertainty, you've got to start somewhere. And where he starts is with where you're at in your relationship with Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? Where you're at and your relationship to salvation. So we're going to talk about salvation today. So let's look. We're going to look at the first ten verses of First Thessalonians. He writes, Paul, Silvanus, Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always 
for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, and patience and hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of our God and Father, knowing, beloved brethren, your election by God. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit, and in much assurance, as you know, what kind of men we were among you for your sake. And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction, with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became examples in all Macedonia and Achaia who believed. For from you the word of the Lord was sounded forth, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. Your faith toward God has gone out, so that we do not need to say anything. For they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we had to you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. What we're going to do, folks, is we're going to take this passage and we're going to divide it into two sections. He's going to give an assessment of where they're at. He's going to talk about the Thessalonians, an assessment of where they're at in their walk with God. And this is maybe a good time for us to reflect in our own lives where where are we at as we look at this assessment. And then we're going to look at the reality of salvation. How salvation played out in their lives. We're going to look at how salvation played out in their lives through this prayer of thanksgiving that he gives. So let's talk about the assessment. Let's look at verse 3. Specifically, he's going to mention three things here that he commends them for. Look at what he says in verse 3. Remembering without ceasing, look at the three things, your work of faith, labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus, in the sight of our God and Father. Here's the assessment. First thing he's going to say about them is this, is that their work in life was a product of their faith. Their work in life was a product of their faith. What they did in life was a direct result of their faith in Jesus, their faith in God. Do you understand what I'm saying? So his assessment of them is this. He's looking at them, and he's very thankful of them, and he's praying without ceasing because he knows that when they go and live their life, how they live their life and the work of their life is a direct result of their faith in Jesus Christ. Can we say that about ourselves? Think about how you live your life. Think about the things that you do during the day. Think about the things that just your everyday normal stuff. You get up in the morning, you get your shower, you get your coffee, you go to work or you send your, or you send your spouse off, you're taking care of the kids or you go to your job. You come home, you do whatever you do in the evening, you get your meal. Every day, same old thing, same old thing. My question to you is, is when we look at what he's saying here to these Thessalonians, their work was marked by faith. The way they lived their life was marked by their faith in God, their faith in Jesus. Is that true of you and I? Is that the assessment? If somebody looked at us right now, they would say, wow, they live their life by faith. The product of their life is faith. That's what he's saying here. Here's the second thing he says. Look at what he says there, verse 3. Labor of love. What's he talking about there? 
they were motivated by love for others and God. They were motivated by love for others and God. See, they not just, they didn't just have a life that reflected their faith. They had a life that was motivated by love, their labor of love. They did things out of love. Love for who? Love for God and love for each other. Did you understand what I'm saying? A love for others. Here's the thing I want you to understand. I need you to grasp this reality. I've been trying to stress this to you for a long time. Christianity is not a selfish religion. Do you understand that? Coming to faith in Jesus Christ is not about you. It's about others. Do you understand what I'm saying? And when you come to faith, it's not about what can you get out of it, what's the best thing for you, is all your needs being met. That's not what Christianity is. That's pure selfishness. Christianity is about you giving of yourself for others because of love. Why do you say that, George? Because Jesus Christ gave of himself for us because of what? Love. Do you understand what I'm saying? The very one who established your faith, the very author and perfecter of your faith, gave himself, thought of you. It's not about your selfishness. And so he's telling us here, they were motivated by their love for God and their love for others. In fact, isn't that what the two greatest commandments are? The two greatest commandments. Remember when Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? And he said what? To love the Lord God with all thy heart, might, soul, and strength. And then he said, and to what? To love your neighbor as yourself. And then Jesus said this. This is powerful. Upon these two commandments, the whole law, all of Scripture hinges upon those two commandments. Loving God and loving other people. Do you understand? This is the assessment he had of them. That number one, that their, their works were, were a product of their faith, but then they were motivated by love. Question is, are we motivated by love? Are we motivated by love? Are we motivated by others? Or is it just about us? You know, I have to, I have to say ashamedly, sometimes it's about me. When I look at my life and look at what I'm doing, it's, it's about me. Whether it's family, whether it's, uh, whether it's work, whether it's leisure, it's about me. It's about me. And God exposes that to me. Because even when I think, can I be honest with you? Here's how wicked our hearts are. Even when I think that it's about other people, oh, well, I'm just doing it for Jesus. Oh, I'm just doing it for other people. No, no, I'm doing it for me. Did you understand what I'm saying? That's how evil our hearts are. So i got to take a step back. You and I have to take a step back and realize that and say, Lord, help me to be motivated, not by me. Help me to be motivated by who? By you, Lord. And by others, by a love for others. That's the second thing. Look at the third thing now. Look at what he says. And patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. What's he talking about there? They endured because of their hope in Jesus Christ. Here's reality. I think we're all aware of it. If you have it, you need to clue in. Life's hard. Stuff's going to go wrong this week. Some of you are not going to like this week that's coming up. Because something is going to go wrong. You're going to get a bad report. Something is going to quit working. Something's going to happen to your vehicle. You're going to get an unexpected bill. You're going to go to the doctor and he's going to tell you this. You say, well, that was my last week. Yeah, but some people, their last week was okay. That's what next week looks like. 
And folks, it's not because God doesn't love you. And it's not because God hates you. It's not because God's punishing you. It's not because you don't have enough faith. It's because that's life. And the reason you endure is because you have a hope beyond this life. And the hope beyond this life is Jesus Christ. And even if prayers don't get answered the way you want them to, He's still God. And your hope is there. That's the assessment. But can I say this for some of us? Can I be honest with you? I know I've been there. It's like somebody said to me this week. Trouble comes in threes. Seems like thirties to me. Do you know what I'm saying? Or three hundreds. Or is it an endless cycle of threes? And sometimes you just get weary. You know what I mean by that? Sometimes you you just get like, man, what else can happen? What else can happen? Can I take anything more? Can I take anything more? And then something else happens. And you're like, oh, I don't know if I can do this. I can't do this. And, and we struggle. Is that not true? Is that not our condition? Is that not the human condition? But you've got to have hope. Jesus looks to us and he tells us, hold on. Hold on. He didn't promise you that things were going to be rosy in this life. Do you understand what I'm saying? He didn't promise you that. He didn't tell you that once you got what you want, everything's going to be okay. Have you noticed that sometimes when we get what we want, we wish we hadn't got it? Because what we wanted ended up being a nightmare? Do you know what I mean? He didn't promise us a good time. He didn't promise us that things were... He promised us a future. And they endured. This, These folks, these Thessalonians, he's saying here, his assessment of them is that they endured because of their hope. Are you holding on because you have the hope? Or have you forgotten the hope? Did you understand what I'm saying? Are you holding on because of the hope? Are you holding on? Listen, folks, why do you think the Apostle Paul talks about in the end of his life, I have fought the good fight? Because it's a battle we're in. Life's a battle. And it's about enduring. And it's about holding on and about moving on. Are you enduring with hope? That's the assessment he gave there. So you say, okay, George, well, what does he do next? He, he reminds them of the reality of their salvation. Because in order for us to, to do these three things, in order for us to, to live lives that are a products of our faith, in order for us to be motivated by love for others and for God, and, and in order to, uh, for us to endure in the hope, you've gotta, gotta, you have to have a grasp of your salvation. You've got to understand what took place when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Do you understand? Most of us, I'll be honest with you, sadly, all we think about is that I'm okay for heaven. I don't have to worry about hell. Woo! Fire insurance. But there's so much more going on there when you got saved. Do you understand what I'm saying? And most of us, can I be honest with you, are just plain ignorant of that. So much more took place in your life. And so he reminds them in his prayer of thanksgiving here, he's going to talk to them about the reality of their salvation. We're going to see five things here that we're going to see here. First of all, look what he says in verse 4 and 5. Look at what he says. Knowing, beloved brethren, your election by God. He's talking about salvation. Your election by God. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but in power and in the Holy Spirit And in much assurance, as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. What's he talking about here? Salvation is a product of God's sovereign work. Salvation 
is a product of God's sovereign work. You need to understand that when you became a believer in Jesus Christ, it wasn't just that you all of a sudden had an aha moment and decided, okay, well, I think this is a better way to go. Who wants to go to hell? I'll do this. I'll pray this prayer. You need to understand that the Bible says you're looking at it from a wrong perspective. And the reality is is that when you came to Jesus Christ, when you made that decision to follow him, when you committed your life to him and you got saved, it was because God was working in your life. He was choosing you. He opened your eyes to the truth. And when you responded to the gospel, you weren't just responding to words or some fact. You were responding to the reality of the power of God. That's what he's talking about here. The reality of our salvation is is that salvation is a product of God's sovereign work in your life. The fact that you're a believer is because God worked in your life. Do you understand that? Man, that should draw thankfulness from you. Why? Because all of us know loved ones who don't know Jesus. Is that not true? All of us know loved ones and friends and neighbors, people that we work with that don't know Jesus, and we pray for them all the time. God, why don't they see this? Why don't they understand? Why don't they see the truth? How come I saw it? You ever said that? I'll tell you why you saw it. Because God worked in your life. God opened your eyes. He let you see. That's the sovereign work of God. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's the sovereign work of God. Here's the next thing he says. Look with me at verse 6. Look at what he says. And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit. What's he talking about here? The gospel brought joy in spite of suffering. The gospel brought joy. The message of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, the salvation that he offered you, that you responded to, brings you joy. Remember we talked about that in our last series, about the struggle for joy. Joy is the reality of Christ in spite of everything else that's going on. You can have joy in the midst of your difficulties. And the gospel brings you joy in spite of the suffering that you go through. Because life's hard, isn't it? Life's difficult. And add to that the consequences of what we do. Do you understand what I'm saying? Life's life's tough enough as it is, but then you add to it the junk that we create? It's tough, isn't it? But the gospel, salvation, brings us joy, he's saying here, in spite of suffering. He says that about these Thessalonians. He says, you know what? You received the word in much affliction. You responded to the gospel in spite of hardships, in spite of persecutions, with joy in the Holy Spirit. With joy. He goes on there. He's got a third thing. Look at the third thing here. Look at verse 7 and 8. And this is where some of us need to consider this. So that you became examples in all Macedonia and Achaia who believed. From You, the word of the Lord, was sounded forth, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but in every place. Your faith toward God has gone out, so that we did not need to say anything. What was he saying here? The reality of salvation is evident to all. The reality of your salvation is evident to all. Do you understand what I'm saying? Salvation is not something that's hidden in your life. Salvation is not just a, some some personal decision that you make. 
and that you just go on living your life. Nobody knows that anything has changed in your life. No, when God comes into your life, when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, and you respond to the gospel, you change. And that change is evident to everyone else. So that people say, what, what, what's, what's gotten into you? You're different. I'll tell you what's gotten into you. God's gotten into you. You've changed. See, salvation brings about change. You know, I met an exiled Romanian pastor back in the late 80s who was exiled from Romania. At the time, it was a communist nation. And he said this, and I thought this was interesting. He said that in Romania, the attitude among the Christians is, is that if you move to another city and you did not tell anybody that you were a Christian there because you wanted to not be persecuted. So you didn't tell anybody you were a Christian. If after a week they didn't realize you were a Christian, you probably weren't. That's hard for us to understand in North America, isn't it? Because in North America, we think we have freedom. We can do whatever. We can be like anybody. But the reality is, is that if salvation is real in your life, if you're truly saved, something about you is going to change. And it's going to be evident to all. He said to them, look, your testimony is a testimony, your, this church in Thessalonica, your testimony is not just in all of Macedonia. Folks, that's the state. Their testimony went throughout all of their area. Because people saw something was different. That's what salvation does. Salvation is evident to all. The reality of salvation is evident to all in your life. Now, let's just back up. Maybe it isn't in your life. Then you've got to ask yourself some hard questions. Do you hear me? Is the reality of your salvation evident to everybody else around you? If it isn't, you've got to ask yourself some hard questions. You need to ask yourself some hard questions. Because you can deceive yourself. You can deceive yourself. Let's go on. Here's the other point that he says here. Look with me. Verse 9. For they themselves declared concerning us what manner of entry we had to you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. What's he talking about here? Salvation transforms lives. When you come to Christ, things change. And you turn your loyalty from the stuff that you used to serve, which was purely selfish, purely focused on the world, and you turn it to God. And when you turn it to God, things change. You transform. Your allegiance changes. For them, it was turning away from their idols and the way of life in their idols to turning to serving the living God. What's it for you? Has it changed you? Has it changed you? I mean, I'll be honest with you. I've been a little Christian now almost 30 years. And, and the younger generation, I, I get concerned. Because I used to be a younger generation person, but I get concerned now. Because it's like we found this newfound freedom in Jesus. That I can do whatever I want. And so I can live and look like the rest of the world. But I'm forgiven. I don't think you've read your Bible. If that's your attitude. And I'm, I can almost guarantee you, you probably aren't reading your Bible. Because the reality is, is that when you come to Jesus, there is a transference of what you want to do and serve to something else. Do you understand what I'm saying? There is a transformation of your life where you are no longer going after what this world goes after. You are now going after what God wants you to do. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so that's going to change your attitudes about things and what you're longing for. 
Do, do you understand what I'm saying? Now, I'm not going to tell you examples of what I'm talking about because that could be taken as, oh, George is saying don't do this, don't do that, don't do that. No, no, you know what it is. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, he's telling you, stop doing this. Start doing that. Do you understand what I'm saying? It doesn't take me to tell you that. You know what it is. And the reality is, is when you come to salvation, you've got to change. He changes you. Because he turns your allegiance away from this world to him. Do you understand what I'm saying? To him. That's the reality of salvation. But then he goes on in verse 10. Here's the last thing, the, the reality of salvation. Remember, this is one of the assessments he gave of them. Here's what, verse, look at verse 10. And to wait for the Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. Salvation gives us hope for the future. Salvation gives us hope for the future. Now, I want you to listen to me. I just told you about how we need to transfer our allegiance and stuff. And there needs to be a transformation of our life and what we're seeking. I can already tell you why we don't do that. I can tell you why we don't do that. I can tell you why that's a struggle for us to, to make the change. I can tell you why we, we don't shift our allegiances. It's because we don't have an understanding of what's coming in the future. Do you hear me? It's because we don't have a hope. Because we look at it and say, well, you know, if I make this change, people are going to think I'm weird. If I make this change, I'm going to rob myself of enjoyment. If I don't make this change, I'm going to rob myself of something. And I know better. And the reality is, is that you know better because you don't understand the future. You don't understand what he did for you. You don't understand what he has for you. You don't understand, look at what he says there, the last part of verse 10, what he kept you from. Look at what he says there. Who delivers us from what? The wrath to come. Because here's the thing. The things that we indulge in, that we think we have freedom to, can I be honest with you? Those things are bringing God's wrath on this world that's coming in the future. Do you understand God's going to punish the world for that stuff? The reason why we don't make the shift is because we don't have an understanding of the hope. Do you understand what I'm saying? We don't have an understanding of the hope that we have in the future. See, this is the starting point. See, as we live in this world of uncertainty and all this stuff that's happening, where do we begin to start to understand how to live in it? You've got to go right back to the basics in your life. Are you saved? And does salvation manifest in your life these things? Hope, transformation, an example to others. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's where we start. We don't start with, well, I don't know how the church should respond to this, or I think we should be doing this, or we should protest this, or we should do that. No, no, give me a break. Why don't you start right where you're at? Why don't I start right where I'm at? Am I saved? Has he delivered me from the wrath to come? And is that evident in my life? 
Do you understand what I'm saying? And can it be said of me that I lived a life that was a product of faith? Can it be said of me that I was motivated by love for God and by others? And can it be said of me that I endured this life because I had a hope in the future? That's reality. That's reality. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.